Longhorn Nation, Sooner fans, welcome to the only broadcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas. Kevin, Sooner Media Days, today, we got to hear from BB, we got to hear from players, we are 31 days out as of the taping of this broadcast. 31 Man. days out. Man, are I'm you fired, fired up? Fired up. Let's get it. You can feel it, man. Did you hear from Sark this week? Heard from Sark today. Yes. Did that instill confidence in you as a sooner as a Texas fan? Are you fired up? Does Sark got the troops rallied? Are you ready to roll? I'm ready to roll, man. I'm ready to roll. We've got questions and we're gonna talk about that. Okay. We've got questions. We both got questions now. My favorite thing to do in the weeks leading up, or well, in the weeks during training camp and two-a-days and all of that stuff are the YouTube videos that get posted of dudes making, like when C.D. Lamb would make just crazy plays in training camp, I'd get so fired up. But my favorite is the Oklahoma drill. Oh, yeah, man. It gets you, you just want to be out there. It makes you want to get out there. Oklahoma like, football players doing the actual Oklahoma drill. Yeah. Mono, Imano. It's just, it is fantastic. There's nothing better. And it gets you so fired up. At least it does. Because what is oh, Texas? Yeah. Does Texas do the Oklahoma drill? They do the Oklahoma drill. I don't know if they call it the Oklahoma drill, but they do some sort of. I imagine they do. I, honestly, I don't know. I gotta hit up a former player and be like, "Hey, what do y'all call this? What do you call what do you call man on man, good on good, and then tackle, shed the blocker, and tackle the ball carrier? Because that's right. the Oklahoma drill." Yeah. Which brings me up. I, I hate to mention Lincoln Riley so early in the in the podcast, but you know he actually discussed the likelihood that under his coaching, they there would be a time in the future when they wouldn't do the Oklahoma drill. Why? Because he's a weak ass. <laughs> things I can't say on a podcast that are sponsored by Brown O'Haver. He's the worst. He's the It's weak, Kevin. It's football. Dudes football, have to man. hit dudes. Am gotta, I missing something? No, you got to hit him in practice if you want to be prepared to hit him in the game, right? What was the number one complaint or or maybe not a complaint from Texas fan. What was the number one observation from Texas fan Oklahoma or the number one complaint from OU fan about Oklahoma? We were weak. We were cream puffs. We weren't tough. It's because your head coach didn't want to do the Oklahoma drill in training camp. It's Is Venables, I just figured it out. Have you confirmed that Brent Venables will be running the Oklahoma drill? Have you seen him talk? Uh, yeah, I've seen him talk. I just want Have to- you seen his defenses play? I have seen his defensive play for years. Did you see him play? Did you see any clips of him being a madman at K State playing football? He's that you know. I've never seen him play, but I imagine him. He's super. I never have either, but I can only imagine that that man is going to run the Oklahoma drill in practice. And those videos are going to come out on YouTube here in about a couple weeks, and I'm going to be fired. Do you know what? Up, I'm already fired up thinking about it. Let's go. Let's get it. Lincoln Riley, what a wuss. (laughs) I was in California which is why we've been so delayed on doing this uh, ninth episode of the Boomer Bebo podcast. And what I determined in Southern California is that it's amazing. Yes. 
Yes. We talked about I, this in the last episode. San Diego, yeah, but, best city ever. But since then, I've experienced it. Like, yeah, I, I lived it for a week. Kevin, you ready for this? From somebody, yeah. as we're both from living in Oklahoma today, is 104, and we grew up in San Antonio, Texas, together. Right. Not together, but in both in San Antonio. There was no air conditioning, air conditioning on my condo. And it freaked me the freak out. I, when I walked in, I was like, wait, wait a minute. There's you look no up the thermostat. Where's the thermostat at? What's the first thing you do when you go on vacation? Look for the thermostat. Got to turn the AC on. Crank it all the way down. It's free air. It is for you. Crank that down. When you're in, when you live in Texas, you live in Oklahoma, you live in, my wife lives in Phoenix. You crank it down because it's free for a week or three days or however long you're going to be there. You want icicles hanging down. No doubt. And I was like, this is messed up. I can't believe this. And then you open up a window and the beach air blows off the, off the Pacific Ocean and you're sleeping at a comfortable 67 degrees and you're like, my God, this is perfect. But it, beyond that, it made me think that this is why this is, this, is a, this is like a double-sided coin, all right? But the first side of the coin is this is why there are so many great athletes from the state of California. Yeah. Because they can practice and train year round outdoors in perfect conditions. And so if you're, you know, we talk about training for football, uh, who wants to go outside and run routes when it's 104 degrees? Absolutely no one. And, you know, maybe Jerry Rice did it in Mississippi and he's the reason he's the greatest ever. But for the most part, it's really hard to want to do that. Yeah. And I don't blame a kid or anybody for doing it. Same thing as a golfer or tennis player. Or my daughters play soccer. I mean, my daughter's at soccer practice right now. And I'm like thinking to myself, does she have enough water? Does she have enough this? Is she going to, there's a, there's a concern. Is that my 11 year old might die at soccer practice? Cause it's hundred. They Correct. don't have those same concerns in California. No. It's year round practice and it creates, it has an environment of creating very high level athletes. Absolutely. However, the flip side of that, Kevin Miller, is that it also creates an apathetic culture of people that have way more better things to do than play sports. <laughs> yes, or out there watch sports, or, you know. Yeah, you, you're exactly right. I mean, everybody wants to talk about the L.A. market for USC and UCLA to go to the Big Ten. I don't know. If I had my choice of watching UCLA play Oregon State or – you know, in the case of the Big Ten, play Purdue or go to the beach. It's a good chance I'm going to the beach, man. Like, well, we've seen this historically with USC, right? LA, when they're good, LA's all behind them. But if they're not, oh, well, we just go to the beach. We just go do this. Yeah. 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 They, they've got to be good. Look, if, if Lincoln Riley had come out on his press conference and said, I'm moving to California because it is 65 at night and 82 during the day yeah, and walked out of the room, I'd be like, okay, yeah, you got yeah. it. Fair enough. Yeah. But to cry and this is the hardest decision I ever made and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, he's a <laughs> Okay. Uh, Kevin, on this episode, we are going to be talking top storylines from each of our preseason camps, okay? Yeah. Uh, we are going to each uh, go in order from uh, the 
number three most interesting to the number one most interesting for each school. We'll talk about that and have some debate. And um, I'm looking forward to it because I think this camp is really – you could make that case that every camp is pivotal, but I think you know where Sark is coming off five and seven – where Oklahoma is with new changes at coaching and quarterback, there is a lot of a lot riding on these camps and how these both these schools are going to enter the season. So I'm excited about it. A lot of but unknowns. As, but as Julie Chen says on Big Brother, but first we have to thank our sponsor. Yes. Brown O'Haver. Kevin works for Brown O'Haver. I work for Brown O'Haver. Brown O'Haver works for the U, the insured not the insurance company. If you've had a loss at your home, your business, you're fighting with the insurance company, call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Check us out on Facebook. We get clients paid more money. It's that simple. Uh, for those listening in the Norman and uh, Oklahoma City area, you've heard me on the radio with Toby Rowland for six or seven years now. You've heard Jim Traver with the Sports Animal talk about us. Uh, We've been around for 15, 16 years here in Oklahoma, helping folks get paid more. For those listening in the Texas area or around the nation, we are licensed in over 30 states. If we can't help you, we know somebody that can. If you are getting hosed by your insurance company, and Kevin, they probably are. Absolutely. Call us, 405-735-5510. Let us help. Let us get you more money. Call, talk to Kevin. You don't want to talk to me because I'm obnoxious and I yell at Kevin and I speak over him and I get too excited about Oklahoma drills? Call Kevin Miller. Call me. We'll get you taken care of. Nicest guy in the office. 100%. Kevin, three storylines from camp. Starting with one or two that didn't make the list. Let's hear it. Go. You. You have one okay. or two that didn't make your list. All right, that didn't make the list is the depth and the secondary. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Histor Texas well, historically known as DBU. Correct. They've got some moving parts. Okay. They got a couple guys who moved from corner to safety. So we got some moving parts there. I'm just curious to see how it all fits together. What uh, what year are those guys moving? Are they sophomores, juniors? Are they got some playing time actually, behind them? Yeah, they do one junior and one senior. Actually. Okay, so you but, got some you mature know, players. You got some correct. mature players. Correct, but you know we we need guys to step up and make some plays. All right. Uh, how about the secondary coach? Any change there, or is this going to no. be the same? So they're not learning a new system. No, Just no change new system. positions. And the depth behind them is a little at this point a little unknown. It's a little thin, correct. Okay. We've got some talented young guys, but they're unproven. Anything else that didn't make the list? You know, that was the only thing I had that didn't okay. make the list. My didn't make the list, and this is unusual, I think, for Oklahoma because of how pivotal the quarterback position has been. But the quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, is not making my list. Of really? Top three storylines. from Because he's going to be the quarterback. Yeah. Right? That. There's no battle there um, for OU fan. They, we've spent months now talking about his performance. Uh, yes, there's going to be that gap. You know, is he better than Caleb Williams? What does he bring to the table? Leadership, all, all those things. They can be discussed, and they will be over time. But as far as the top three, I don't think it makes it. The other one I got, 
same along the same line of thinking is the Oklahoma offensive changes. We are going from what is from a coach that has been roundly acclaimed the greatest offensive coordinator in college football to Jeff Levy, who's a pretty good offensive coordinator. Systems are different. I still yeah. don't think it makes my top three. I don't think it makes my top three. And I'll tell you why. Because I think it's going to be anticlimactic. Because I don't think our offense was that good this year. And I don't think we have nowhere to go but up. Fair enough. It was it was a little inconsistent compared to the lofty standards that Lincoln Riley had set over his first few years as offensive coordinator and head coach. So, yeah. We beat up Lincoln Riley and will continue to do so. But... Kevin, he had this Heisman, the preseason Heisman favorite have to get benched by the fifth game of the year. Yeah. He only scored 16 points on Nebraska. He only scored 16 points on West Virginia at home. The offense wasn't any good. Everybody talks the, about the defense the giving up. Everybody talks about the defense. Well, I mean, he had to throw another quarterback in. And anyway, we've all been out. We, See, see Greatest Games, episode six, I think it was, when we talked about 2021. Because offensively, there's there's reasons why those aren't linked. You can't give Bleak and Riley a ton of credit on that. There's other reasons you can. The play calling yeah. of Kennedy Brooks were fantastic. Okay, storyline number three for the University of Texas, ball camp. Okay. Can they close out games? Has this team gotten mentally tough enough to close out opponents when they have leads into the third and fourth quarter, okay? We saw this in the Cotton Bowl, first and foremost, right? Blowing a huge lead. This is to take nothing away from any of the opponents and what they did. But when you're up that big against your rival or against anyone, you cannot lose a game like that. Okay, how many, okay? Games, how many games last year did you lose in that fashion? You okay, lost seven games. How many games did you have leads in the second half? Okay, Oklahoma. Oklahoma State the next week, and Baylor. Back to back to back. Those are the three biggest ones, and those are the best three teams on the schedule, literally, right? Yeah. Back to back to back, had leads in the second half against all three. And what, about the other, what about the other four games you lost to? Did you have second half leads in, the, in those games? Okay, not against Arkansas. That game was never close. Okay. The West Virginia game, I think they may have had a small lead in that, but that was always um, there was always a close game. Yeah, and okay. uh, Iowa State, they were really never in that one either from an offensive okay. standpoint. They had they had a what lead. About that? What about that? You, you, you left off the Kansas game, Kevin. What happened in the Kansas game? You know, game? I have absolutely no idea. Well, we're going to get to what happened in the Kansas game. Sure. I've got, yeah, okay. we'll get to that. That's so what do, you, what do you think needs to change? Like, what do you want to see coming out of camp? What do you see in the first couple weeks that says, man, I mean, because you – you're playing Alabama. That's going to be a tough one to look at. But what do you want right. to see on the field that that indicates a change in a positive direction? Well, you know, it seemed like last year with Sark, with his play calling, as good as it was, right? He can, we've seen what his schemes can do, right? The beginning yeah. of the OU game, we saw it also the first half against Oklahoma State and against Baylor. But it seems like he doesn't do a great job, or at least he didn't last year, do a great job of making second-half adjustments. Okay, it was like the same game plan was brought into the second half. Obviously, the other team would make halftime adjustments, and we couldn't counter those adjustments with anything else. 
Does that make sense? Uh, it, yeah, I mean, I've, I've thought about that a lot with Lincoln Riley over the last five years, that it's the same thing. You, you'd come out, not not in 2021, but, I, you know, the Georgia game, as an example, we've talked about that Rose Bowl game. Yeah. I mean, he could make he could make no wrong call in that first half. It was brilliant. It was beautiful to watch. And yet in the second half, they knew everything that they were about to run at him. And, yeah. and, and you're right. It's like, where, where's the adjustment? Where's... Where's that same level of creativity? Did you go into a shell? Did they make an adjustment? It's it's hard to determine that sometimes, but I I mean clearly it's a real issue for Texas. Yeah, three weeks in a row, a lot especially. Yeah, yeah, three weeks in a row. I mean, and again, it's, a, it's those three games it literally defined the season. No, and I think they were mentally toast after the Baylor loss. Okay, knowing me the way you know me and the way our listeners know me after eight plus episodes. What do you think I would say is the number one thing they need to improve on if they're going to help hold a lead in the second half? Well, they'd have to start playing some defense. No, run the dang ball. You've oh, got yeah, freaks. You've got. Yeah. I. I mean, he said he could be the best running back in the country. I think he is the best running back in the country. I'm not. I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing that. I don't. I mean, you know, we'll, somebody will emerge in, in Alabama or you know Michigan State or whatever. Yeah. But you have the potential to have the best running back in the country against OU last year. Run the ball in the fourth quarter. I, I thought Casey Thompson was fine. It's not on him. It's not any. It's not run the ball. The less time that the other team has is the less opportunity they have to score. It, 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 it truly. I hope you never run the ball. I hope Bijan <laughs> never touches it against Oklahoma. You know, against Oklahoma. But my God. Run that guy. He's a stud. Yes, he he's very good. Man. All right. On that, that's a good transition. And maybe he comes up again. I don't know. I don't want to steal your thunder. But my number three one is the running backs. It's our running backs. Everybody, all of the pundits, all of the radio guys, every, all the local media has proclaimed Eric Gray as our number one guy. Okay. He averaged five yards a carry, which is not bad. No. He, he only had two touchdowns last year. Yeah. Two. That, to me, does not sound like the number one quarterback at OU. I mean, running back at OU. It just doesn't. You got you – gotta, you, we got to be able to run the ball. Now is that an indictment on, on the offense, offensive line, Lincoln Riley, decisions made in the, uh, in the end zone, how good uh, Kennedy Brooks was? Maybe – but Eric Gray ran the ball a lot. He had a he lot did. of opportunities. Do you feel like perhaps he's a better fit in Levy's offense than he was in Lincoln Riley's offense? Well, I think anybody's a better a better fit in the 2022 offense versus the 2021 offense. How about that? Okay. You know, I, if you wanted to throw out the 2018 offense to me or the 17 offense, then no. I mean, those those were historic historic offenses with historic players with dudes that are still playing in the NFL, but 2021 versus 2022, I think anybody's going to have the opportunity to thrive. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm going to make an argument. I, I think the wild card. So we've got Eric Gray. Sooner fans want Marcus major to be good. So bad, dude. So bad. Well, he's a local kid. I mean, he showed, he's a local he, kid. he's shown some flashes. We've seen some glimpses of it. And you just you want him to be that guy. I I feel like we would have known it by now. I, okay. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope I'm wrong. I'm rooting for Marcus Major. 
Uh, he in in the last two years, he was five point four yards a carry. So okay. he can he he can tote it. It's it, he can. he's 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 going to be there. We got the two freshmen, Javante Barnes and Gavin Sacha. Javante looked really good in the spring game. Freshmen always look good in the spring game, though. Uh, Sawchuck is a fall enrollee, so he just got uh, on the camp. Everybody loves his speed. We'll see. The wild card for me is Bentavious Thompson, the transfer from UCF. The dude averaged over six yards a carry at UCF for three years and has zero fumbles in his career. Okay. Which I just think is a tremendous stat for anybody that's run the ball that much. It's a great stat. Let me ask you this. Do you think they will be a featured back, or do you think it will be more of a kind of a committee type deal? And what would you like to see? You might know how Levy's offense is run better than me. You're you're better at that, um, what he typically does. I would like to see by committee until one is established. Okay. And then I always liked it when Riley and even before Riley, you kind of had – you had a you had a, a first through the third quarterback, and then you had a fourth quarter punishing back come in. Yeah, and I I think Marcus Major could fit that bill. Maybe even Dentavious Thompson. Maybe he's the guy because you know his ball security looks pretty good. Yeah, but you know you're letting Eric Gray run around like crazy in the first three quarters. You know maybe you're seeing Javante Barnes spell him a little bit, but then in the fourth quarter when you've got that lead and you've got to pound them and demoralize them and break them down. Dude, maybe you're running out Marcus Major because he's a big kid. He's got – he can get the, the yards per carry. Or maybe it's just Pentavious Thompson. That's my ideal. I, I'm not quite sure how he's going to – how Levy's going to do it. What What's he done? What did he do at Ole Miss? You know, I think he would use more of a feature – a feature back. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I know when Texas was running a similar offense when they had um, uh, Sterling Gilbert as their offensive coordinator – they leaned on um, Deontay Foreman heavily. I mean, he's run yeah. 30, 30 times a game, and it's a power deal, and it wears you out. And then they hit you with the play action over it. So I don't know if we'll see that. I don't. One I thing don't about that, Eric Gray's but, not that Eric Gray's not that guy, though, is he? No, absolutely. I don't, I don't think so. No, I think he's more of a twelve carry a game type guy. But what I'm curious to see is Lincoln Riley at his best. He was great at scheming plays based on the running back skill set. Hundred percent. You know, but 100%. the way he was mixing and and Rodney Anderson, it was brilliant. You know, that's what made him known as the offensive guru. Well, and that's what differentiated him from all the other um, all the other uh, spread spread teams. You know, yeah, all the other Mike Leach. Yeah, is that he he valued the or at least we thought he valued the running game. Uh, the last two years, you know, you didn't see that. I, going back to this year though, and this makeup. The names sound good, the measurables look good, but we just don't have a guy that I'm that you know you go, that's our that's our dude, that's, that's who we'll run with. Yeah. And so I hope somebody develops. I'm telling you, the Batavius Thompson kid, transfers can do some amazing things. Yeah. Uh given a, a second lease on life. Clearly the guy knows what he's got. Levy's get Gabriel trusts him. Uh, you know, Levy's gonna know what he's what he's getting. I, I think he's the wild card. I'm rooting for Marcus Major. If if Eric Gray ends up being the guy, it it makes me almost concerned. I just don't think the ceiling is high enough with Eric Gray. But that's so. That's my running back storyline. 
Storyline number two for the University of Texas. Okay. The quarterback spot. The quarterback battle. Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card. Okay. Hudson Card was there last year. Started. He won the job in fall camp last year over Casey Thompson. Right. Did okay in the first game. Looked absolutely shell-shocked in Fayetteville against Arkansas. Mm -hmm. He just looked – I mean, he wasn't ready. He just looked like – he just didn't belong out there yet. Right. Okay, so loses his job after that. Casey Thompson has it pretty much the rest of the season until he got hurt. And then Quinn Ewers, okay, number one recruit in the country last year. Goes to Ohio State, doesn't play, transfers to Texas. Incredibly talented kid. Um, for all the talk about Arch Manning, I personally think that Quinn Yu is actually more talented than Arch Manning is. He doesn't have, you know, the okay. hype and build up. Yeah. Um, so, but is he ready? You know, right. what is he going to well, do? First of all, can he, he win the job? But How has Sark treated this quarterback competition so far? How do you do it in the spring? And how is he doing it? In the, is, is, he, is it an open? Does he claim it's an open competition? He claims it's an, it's an open competition. Um, but he does. He did say that he wants to name the starter sooner than he did last year, so that way whoever wins the job can get the most reps instead of them splitting fifty-fifty like they did for the majority of camp last year. OU fan is always rooting for somebody. Who is Texas fan rooting for? Is it? Is there a consistent consensus among Texas fans? It's Quinn Ewers. Yeah, oh, I think everybody. Want- yeah, I mean he's he's just too talented. You can't keep him. Can't keep him on the sidelines, man. I mean, is there something to be said the fact that you've got a who do you open with? Louisiana Monroe. Hey, if um, Alex, what is this guy? Graves, I think. I'm gonna have to look up his daughter's last name. I just play, I, my daughter's just played golf with a guy that played at Louisiana Monroe. Really? Okay. Yes, his name was Alex. I think it's Graves. I'll have to look up his daughter's last name. Uh, first of all. Awesome. His daughter was a great golfer. Okay. Great golfer. Um, he played at Louisiana Monroe where he met his wife who played golf at Louisiana Monroe. And she's now the first T director. Oh, you know what? I got their last name because I have her card. Hold on. Let me tell you. He is Graves. Blake. Not Graves. Alex Blake. Monica Blake. Monica Blake is the first T director at Little Rock. There you so go. She's shaping the minds of young golfers in Little Rock, Arkansas. Starting with her daughter, who is, like I said, she was like a really cool kid, kind of really like a silent assassin. It was pretty impressive to watch, actually. I don't think she even acknowledged my daughter's existence until the round was over. Laser focusing. After the round, she was like, I'm sorry. I didn't even realize you were playing with me. What was your name? That's how it was. was, She was like a stone cold killer. The parents, incredibly, incredibly friendly. So Alex, Monica. Uh, shout out to Louisiana Monroe. Anyway, you're playing Texas. Uh, Texas is playing Louisiana Monroe, and then you go yeah. right into Alabama week two. Week is two. there a is there a thought that maybe Hudson Card is the sacrificial lamb against Alabama? You know, I've, I've heard that some people have said that, but I don't think so. I think you just roll with the kid and just put him out there. If he's going to be the guy, let him be the guy. He's a more talented player. Okay, first of all, he's no he's no. He's played against good players, at least in practice, right? After, you know, a camp yeah, in Ohio State, he yeah. lived, you, you know, size and speed shouldn't freak him out. 
but my goodness, Alabama second game, that's a lot. I, I, it's, it's yeah, it, it's a lot for anybody. But it's you don't want Card to go out and just get beat to death either. I exactly. Think. And listen, their two edge rushers, Will Anderson and, and Dallas Turner. Will Anderson will probably be a top five pick, and then Dallas Turner will probably be a top five pick next year. These guys are unbelievable. Um, I, I I appreciate that it's a quarterback battle, but I think if you have any chance of winning, you're running Bijan Robinson right at those ends and neutralize. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And neutralize and look, I mean, I know we'll talk about that in the preview, but if you yeah. want a chance to beat Alabama, you got to take it out of the quarterback's hands, and Bijan has to, you know, and quick yeah. passes to Worthy and the other kid you got on the other side. Yeah, and they are. Yeah, I mean, Sarah's gonna scheme up something, right? Okay. But, but yeah, but I think it's it's gonna be yours. I think it should be yours. I think it'll be he'll be named that pretty is, soon. That is gonna be the, the game against Alabama is gonna be fascinating to watch because no, you're not gonna win the game. I mean, you might think you will. You're not gonna win the game, but you can see glimpses of if a kid's a player or not in games like that. Absolutely, uh-huh. you'll be able to you'll be able to tell if he's somebody that can you know come to fight for you. So that's interesting. Okay, number two for me. It's our defense. It's our defense. Um, speed D is dead. Thank the good Lord. Um, we, <laughs> speed uh, D had its moments. It had its moments, but it was never. You know why it only had moments? Because he would rotate players in constantly. It was, I, you know, it, he would, we were, uh, Alex Grinch's philosophy that, you know, guys can only play two series at a time. Completely backfired because it just meant you were constantly spread out on talent on the field. You know, you were diluting the talent on the field. And listen, it's I went to the Tom Herman era who would have his whole receiving core come off after two series. So trust me, I understand. And it doesn't make Baffling. sense, Kevin. It doesn't make sense. No. Good coaches play their best players. Yes. Good coaches play their best players. Perion Winfrey, who reportedly was a stud at the Senior Bowl, was also a stud for Oklahoma. But when you only play 45% of the snaps, you're only going to get 45% of the production. Like, yes. I, I don't know. Look, when it's hot, you want fresh legs, whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying as a standard, as a method, it never made any sense to me. To just keep rotating players in, rotate who whoever rotated linebackers in. Yeah, I mean, good linebackers play the whole game. You don't yes. rotate out linebackers. Teddy no. Lehman didn't get rotated out. No, about no. Teddy Lehman all the time. Yeah, he can get a play. He get a couple plays here, right? He needs a reload, yeah. but not but for two or three series. Come on, it's no. ridiculous. So yeah. anyway, the C for me, as the defense goes, the team will go right. And I think yes. it's really important to see what what I think there's some talent there. I listed Billy Bowman, I listed Stutz, Stutzman at linebacker, Reggie Grimes, Jalen Redmond. There's others. There is. I think there is talent there. Is it Alabama level talent? I I don't know. Ohio State level defensive talent? No, no, it isn't. But that's not, I mean, there's only I, one or a couple of those teams. Georgia. But there's some dudes that can play. Yeah. And now you've had some time under Schmitty, and you've got a new scheme, 
which apparently is a, a much more difficult scheme. I remember when I, I don't know how much of it has changed from when he was here, when Brent was here in the 2000s. Uh, it was a lot of zone blitzing, and there was a lot of that kind of, you know, disguising and things of that nature. It wasn't a, a base defense by any means. So I, I'm curious to see how that's going to work. But I'll, to you, Billy Bowman is the example. He played as a true freshman three different positions in the secondary last year. Yeah. That's hard to do. Very hard to do. Not only for a true freshman, but for any, you're talking about, you mentioned, you mentioned it in yours. It, like that's something you're looking at with your quarterbacks. Like they're changing one position and they're juniors and seniors. You're talking about a true freshman that everybody agrees has enough of the, enough talent to make it on the field. Why are we putting him in positions to fail? Correct. It doesn't make sense to me. Now, let so me ask you this real quick about Billy Bowman. Where is he playing this year? Is he playing strong safety? safety? Strong okay. safety. I think that's where he's best at. Or nipple. I think he could play either of the safety positions, but yeah. I and, and you know with. With the schemes today, you don't know, you know, a strong safety is dropping back and he's cut, you know, cut, whatever. Yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not, it's not the, it's not the uh, Roy Williams of, of 2000 yes. strong safety. Darren Woodson type right. big safeties, yeah. No, it's, it's much more of a hybrid strong safety or yeah. I, I don't even know what we call it. But all that to be said, the idea is that he's going to play strong safety. Letting somebody with that talent concentrate on, do, do your job, right? We always hear that on the NFL, do your job, yeah. Yeah. Let him concentrate on one position, learn one one role really well, and then play him so that he can learn in the course of play, play him 70 to 80% of the plays. I think we're setting up for a recipe for success. I hope. I hope Alex Grinch isn't as good as we can get. No, no way. I mean, first of all, I don't know. Is Venables going to be calling the defense or would that be Todd Bates? He says it's going to be Todd Bates, but I'm going to have – well, I'll see when I believe it. I'll he see may be I calling the plays, but we all know this is going to be Venable's defense, right? And we've seen at Clemson, right, that he has the ability to, to scheme up, to scheme up on defense. And Dude. you know what I love about coaches? The best thing a coach can do is use a player to the best of his skill set. Yes. Whatever he does best, have him do. So I think he's going to put guys where they can be successful. If you're a good rusher, you're going to rush that if you're a linebacker, if you're good in coverage, you're going to be dropping in coverage. Look what he did with, um, what's the kid, Isaiah Simmons. He's a three-star Absolutely. linebacker out of Kansas City. Uses Absolutely. him as a hybrid guy. Edge, you know, you're going to blitz here, you're going to drop here. He's a first-round pick, top five pick, right? So, or top ten he, pick. He goes to Cardinals? Yes. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm okay. Yeah. No, uh, absolutely. No, 100%. And so, actually, I went back and watched the 2012 OU Texas game while I was working out just to kind of get me fired up. That was still, that was still a great minimals defense, right? 2012. I think it was. That might've been his last one. So. Yeah. Okay. Man, that, that yeah. with no, with, with, with not big name talent, it was just a yeah. stifling defense. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. All right, here we go. Number one storyline coming out of Texas summer camp, 2022, Kevin Miller. The Texas Longhorn defense. The defense. Wow. They were historic. Shocking. Shocking. Yeah, I know. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? <laughs> they were historically bad. I they mean, weren't they, they weren't they good. couldn't. 
And it's really, it was all three levels. Okay, they struggled first and foremost with stopping the run. Okay, then when teams would throw, they couldn't get pressure. And then they really couldn't cover either. Yeah. You know, and you, you brought it up earlier, the Kansas game. Remember, they scored 50 plus points on offense. You can't so, leave, you know? Yeah. And it's like everything they were doing was working. They couldn't cover. They couldn't tackle. You know? So, so, so what is going to change? Scheme, personnel, coaches? Okay, well. What is going to change for you to see what you want to see in the fall? Okay, well, it's year two in the scheme, right? So uh, that's what we don't know. Was it them not – was the scheme maybe too complex for the players to really grasp it right away? Okay. Does the scheme suck? Right? Now, where would your coordinator come from? From Washington, where he sent multiple players to the NFL. Multiple you know They got guys would, all over the league. I would take a dude from Washington versus Washington State. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so – that would, okay. That's at least that's a little bit in y'all's favor. Okay, go ahead. Yes, yeah. I mean, they and they play good defense. I think they're a top twenty defense yeah. usually while he was there. And again, guys all over the NFL. But whatever they were doing didn't work. Now, maybe he didn't have the right pieces for his scheme. You know, guys were playing a little out of position. But I, I'm still concerned because even with the portal, they added some guys that they didn't add guys that can rush the passer. That's what I'm really concerned with. But maybe the scheme, second year in it, maybe the guys have gotten it down. Will we see any improvement? If they have a decent defense this who's year. The best, who's the best player on your defense? DeMarvian Overshone, the linebacker. What a terrible hey, name. What a terrible name. It's a long, it's a long name, especially the last name. Yeah, that, is a long, that is a longhorn name that wow. he is a dynamic athlete. He's He's good. Yeah, he, he's, he's but he's inconsistent. And here's the thing. He was a safety in high school. All right. He's a big time safety. He was a big safety, 6'2, 220. Primarily used as a blitzer. Just a, a heat seeking missile type player coming out of high school. Came in first season, played as safety. He's had a lot of injuries too. He switched to linebacker. But again, he's had a few injuries that have cost him practice time to really learn the linebacker position. He's shown flashes in the OU game, had a sack on Rattler, picked off Rattler as well uh, in the first half of that game. What we're hearing is that this year they're going to be using him as more of an edge player, using okay. his speed to try to get to the quarterback. Kind so, of more like a, like a Nick Bonito or yes, something like that? exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you like well, that or do you, or do you think that's no, I love it. in the middle? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because – at his size, I don't like him taking on blocks. That's not what he's best at. So, you know, I want to, you know, he's not the biggest guy. I think he's like 200. Last year, he's kind of maybe 220. So I, he okay. was getting swallowed up by guards in the running game if you run right at him. You know, okay. so um, I'm excited about him to see how he does in that edge position because, and we need it because we cannot get pressure on the quarterback at all last year. It was the biggest weakness on the defense. So Overshawn's the name that I expected you to say. Who's the best player um, that I don't expect you to say? Um, man, you know, that's that's a good question. Honestly, like, he was the only player that I was even really impressed with okay. last so, year. So who, who do you have your eye on? Who are you hoping on? Who, who's, you who's, know, the, who's, the, who's the kid that OU has to hate next? 
you know, hoping maybe Ryan Watts is a transfer out of Ohio State. He's a big corner. Um, he's, I think he's about 6'2", 6'3", one of those, you know, physical press guys, but also has the ability to turn and run with receivers. Was he just not getting playing time at OSU? You know, he played. He actually started uh, three or four games. I think he maybe was a little homesick. I'm thinking. Okay. I'm not exactly sure why he transferred, but he, he did play a lot at Ohio okay. State. Now, I don't know if he got passed up during the season, but I know the first few games he uh, started for them last year. So, um, Your defense has to get better. I think it probably will um, because that second year always – People just always feel more comfortable. And you talked about it when we talked about uh, OU's defense, putting players in the right positions. After a year, good coaches have all the evidence they need of where they need to put their players. You know, like you you should know where these guys need to go now. Uh, If your new corner can fill that gap, it has to help. Um, you, You weren't good, so you expect to be better. You just have to be. They have to be better, yeah. Yeah. And again, okay. you know, no one's expecting him to come out and be the, you know, 05 Texas defense or the 03 Sooner defense, right? You know, they don't have the horses for that. They don't have the talent, despite what people think about how Texas recruits. They just do not have that type of talent on defense right now. Number one storyline for the University of Oklahoma's camp is the battle of perception the battle of the national media perception of the Oklahoma Sooners and Brent Venables versus the local Sooner fan, Sooner uh, fan base expectations. Okay. Let me ask you this then before you get okay. into that. Okay. What do you feel like is the national perception so of got, the Oklahoma football program? I've got three examples. The first one and the most noted in Oklahoma Twitterverse and Oklahoma Sports Radio and Oklahoma Message Boards is, of course, Colin Cowherd. He loves to speak to the end of OU as we know it, the decline of OU, uh, how much USC is going to dominate, how much Lincoln Riley's leaving is going to hurt Oklahoma. I acknowledge that this is his shtick. Yes, I a troll. I, I acknowledge that the Baker deal, he didn't even believe half the crap he said about Baker, but it drew clicks no. and it drew views. And yes. it's a few hat backwards at a, come on. He doesn't even care about that stuff, but he knows what gets people to click on it. So I acknowledge that, but it's still there and it's still real. Another one, this is just something that happened the other day. Uh, Chris, the bear Felica, right from game day. On ESPN? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. The uh, he went under nine and a half win total at OU. I gotta tell you, that's fine. He used um the idea that Oklahoma participated you know, won like seven or eight games by one score. And are they gonna be any better? They lost players on defense, they lost Lincoln Riley, they lost Caleb Williams. I gotta tell you, that logic doesn't necessarily follow all the way through for me. Number one, everybody loses players on defense, right? I mean, like, yeah. that's, that's not it's the loss players on defense is the most generic answer in the world when everybody loses players on defense. Yeah. And if anything, their defense should improve based on the pedigree of the coach that they've hired to coach defense. Yeah. So defense should be an at least an improvement, okay? 
Number two, you lose Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. We talked about this. Statistically, Caleb Williams was a, was a nice player, but he didn't push us over the edge in these seven-game wins, in these seven-point wins, except in the Kansas game. He was, in fact, in a lot of cases, sometimes the reason we didn't yeah. extend those leads. Um, and then the last thing is losing. I think we've upgraded at, at coach. I, I firmly believe that. I know that Brent Venables hasn't been a head coach, but I believe with the culture and the strategy that he's putting around the program is putting us in a better position to succeed than anything Lincoln Riley was doing for us. That's that's one. Then the other one is just the Casey Smith girl from Barstool Sports. I rarely mm-hmm. say I rarely say women are hot on the podcast because my wife listens. Mm-hmm. You're actually having, John, I think you're having a few uh, technical issues right now. Oh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're just kind of breaking up a bit. It's kind of choppy right now. So, what do you think? Um, what should we do? Hold on one second. Can you pause this? I don't know. And I hate to go through this again. Yeah. Well, um, I think it's a little bit better now. So, you were saying, Casey Smith, right, from broad or um, Barstool, Barstool Sports. Sports, right? So what does she have to say? Well, first of all, she's kind of good looking, just for the record. Okay. I, don't, I, trip, I typically don't say that because I don't want to be that guy on sports radio yeah. that talks Fair about enough. how good looking women are. She's looking. Um, she, she thinks that you're going to see a rise in USC a, and a degradation in OU's performance. And she's taking a lot of grief for it and, and all of this stuff. And maybe Oklahoma fans being too sensitive to this stuff, but I just don't think they're looking at the entire picture when they make those predictions. I think it's the easy take. Lincoln Riley leaves, OU down, USC up. And it's like, has anybody looked at the performance over the last two years? Has anybody seen the offensive stats, the offensive performance, any of that? It's all gone down. Yeah, The mystique has is off the boy wonder. The mystique is gone. Well, and I don't so, think nationally, though, it isn't. I think from an OU standpoint, it is. But I don't know about nationally. Well, that's and that is my point, right? Yeah. Is I think Oklahoma has opportunities to prove the national perception wrong. Yeah. If the offense has better production, which I think it's capable of, if they have better production than last year, that is a point towards um, a point towards what's the word I'm trying to say to defunct the national perception, right? Yeah. If they if their defense operates at a higher level, that's another point in Brent Venables' favor. If they can win the games they're supposed to win on their schedule, which in this case is almost all of them. You know, I think they could go 11 and one and get back to another Big 12 championship. I don't think that's unreasonable. Okay. I think that they can reestablish Oklahoma where it was under Lincoln Riley, which I don't know that Lincoln Riley ever earned it being there. So I just think that this kind of interplay back and forth between the national perception and what we as local OU fans um, are experiencing in terms of expectations is going to be fascinating as the season progresses. Because we lose one game, and it's going to be a gut punch to Oklahoma fan. Yeah. And it's going to be national pundits piling on to us unflinchingly. 
Now, from an outside point of view, I do want to say that I do feel like the culture deal being better is absolutely legit. Do you think it's real? I do. Yeah, it it seems like it's a little bit more of a togetherness uh, with the program under Venables. But I think we all have to just wait and see how it goes, you know, on the field. Because, you know, he's done all the right things. He's been an incredible coordinator, right, for, for a long time. I, 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 I see how it goes as a head coach. I think there's the culture thing, Kevin, but I also think it's just something as basic as, as the conditioning, the strength and conditioning programs. Okay. I mean, the strength and conditioning programs are basically 180 degrees different than they were under Benny Wiley and Lincoln Riley at OU. Okay. Now, how long was Wiley there? Was he just there one year? Or how long? No, gosh, no. He was there. I think Schmitty, I think Schmitty left pretty soon after Lincoln. I don't know that Schmitty was ever there fully under Lincoln. And if he was, it was only a year. Who job before that? Because there was somebody before Schmitt, had... nobody before. No, no, Schmitt. no, 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 no. Between wasn't there somebody else between Schmitty and and, and Benny uh, Wiley? For some I don't I'm think so. There was okay. Please, if somebody in the comments uh, on wherever you're commenting or or, or send us a note, because I don't know, I don't think so. I think okay. he went straight to Benny Wiley, and you know he had the Dallas Cowboys, but at the end of the day, he came from Texas Tech. And if if what you're counting on is what worked at Tech to work at OU, yeah. Texas fan knows this. That's that's insane. <laughs> that, yeah. that that's the most fast backwards uh, you know logic that one can employ in a college football program is hey what worked at Tech let's do that you know it's no no absolutely not I'll take what worked at Oklahoma in the 2000s I'll take what worked at Notre Dame. I'll take what worked at AM to get them actually doing pretty good. And yeah. I'm going to take what worked at Clemson in terms of winning mentality and winning attitude and winning culture. All of that over anything that came from Texas Tech and anything that came from Lincoln Riley. Fair enough. All right. There we go. Kevin, one thing I forgot to mention, and we've got just a little bit of time. Uh, Oklahoma signed Colton Bassick, a four star wide receiver or a four-star defensive player out of Austin Westlake. Wanted to take your comments on that, Kevin, please. Austin Best Vasek or Colton Vasek out of Austin. Colton Vasek, yeah, Austin Westlake High School, the edge rusher. Texas signed the other edge rusher. They had two studs last year, Ethan Burke and Colton Vasek. Texas signed Burke. Texas wanted Vasek. Followed his recruitment for a while. He always seemed like a kid that was more than willing to leave Austin and just go and do his own thing. Oregon was involved for a long time, his recruitment. He always liked OU, though. He always liked Venables. Going back to Clemson, Clemson signed a quarterback, the Austin Wesley quarterback last year, a guy named Kay Klubnik. Okay. Okay. So they've been recruiting that school for a while. So he had a relationship with Venables when he was at Clemson. Always liked him. Venables to the OU, they continue that relationship. Visited Texas a few times, visited OU, seemed to like it, loved Oregon too. And he visited Texas. Texas had a pool party recruiting event just on Thursday. Vosick was there hanging out with Arch Manning. But, you know, he decided OU is where he wanted to be. So, hey, props to the kid. Go where you want to go. You know, that you see that happening with those guys that – grow up right right there and want to get away and you do yeah but what 
you don't really see it that often when they have a dad that played football at Texas. That's the interesting thing, right? Yeah, dad played for Texas. He grew up in Austin. Just wanted to do his own thing. So, you know, it's it's a gut punch, though, to Texas because it's a position of need. So yeah. you lose a position of need from right in your own backyard to your main rival. Anything so it's an absolute the, gut punch. Anything on that defensive line is, I mean, it's a must-have. Yeah. And Correct. to lose a battle either either way is just – it's brutal. Um, Real quick, though, I want to touch on this when it comes to recruiting. This is how it's going to be, right? We're going into the SEC. They're going to be these deep recruiting battles, and you're going to win some, and you're going to lose some. We're going to hit each other. We're all going to hit each other. This goes from Texas, OU, and a and Yeah. And then the rest of the SEC, it's going to be brutal when it comes to, to recruiting. So it's going to be a lot of these – for uh, both Texas and OU for the years to come. I love it. And, and you know what? It's great to lose. I mean, it's great to be battling over four and five star guys. You know, yeah. that's where the battle's taking place. We're not yeah. we're not crying over a three star guy that we lost to, you know, Texas Tech or K State anymore. It's like guys, guys that OU is in on and Texas, even Texas is in on. It's it's Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Texas. It's Correct. a great we're in yeah. we're in very good company. Oklahoma's up to Sixth in 24-7's latest rankings. I mean, yeah, you're gonna see I mean, that's Texas AM, Texas, Texas AM, and Oklahoma are all gonna have um likely gonna finish with top 10 classes. It's it's I mean that's we've exactly never what seen I pre- this. That's exactly this what I predicted. That's exactly what oh, I predicted. Okay, I remember you, somebody saying the sky was falling. Everybody just, go back to, go right. back to episode seven, and you will see that I clearly predicted Oklahoma will finish with a top five class and everything was fine. Oh, yeah, go back and watch it. Yeah. So uh, I remember you talking to somebody off a ledge about OU recruiting. So you have to be Listen, I was on the ledge. Yes. And then Brent Venables in a red cape came and saved me. <laughs> there you go. And look, we've never seen this, so I just want to touch on that. We've never seen OU, Texas, and Texas A&M recruit at this high of a level all at the same time. So the future is, is going to be crazy when it comes to it. We're going to be playing each other annually. So... Buckle up. Please don't put AM in our pod. Not because I don't want to play them, but I just don't want to play them because I can't stand them. Same here, man. They're loaded. And the type of defensive players that they're signing, I mean, it's it's Alabama level, it's Georgia level defensive linemen that they've been signing. I think Jimbo's a douche. But he he did win it. He he did win a national championship. Correct. He yes. he does know how to coach some kind of football. Yes. Um, but I hope this is one of those scenarios where they get too big, too big a heads from the NIL deals. That there's a, that there's a culture issue. Something happens because all that would make me happy is for A and M to fall on their face. Yeah. Also, though, former OU commit and current USC commit Malachi Nelson. Remember him? Yes. Five star kid out of California. Absolutely. He visited. He visited AM this weekend. Okay, so here's see, this is what college football does to you, right? It's like I don't want AM to get any better. But for USC to lose Malachi Nelson would make me one of the happiest people in the world. So I don't even know where I mean the, the conflict of emotions is ah, it's I love yeah, it. Not, I freaking love I, it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, that's what this is going to be. It's going to be a lot of drama. Is that a real? Is that a real? Is that a real deal, or is he just trying to stay relevant? You know, I don't know. 
it would have to concern Lincoln Riley, right, for his top quarterback commit to go visit Texas A&M of all places. I can't see the kid leaving Southern California to go to College Station and to leave the potential plan for Lincoln Riley to play in Jimbo's offense, which is not – it's not Lincoln Riley's offense. It's not Sark's offense. Yes, but if I'm so, if I'm if I'm Jimbo, and I've said it a lot on this this podcast episode right here, I'm showing him the last two years production, saying, "What do you do with Spencer Rattler? What yeah. did he What did he do? Mm-hmm. You know, what, yeah, but what I, he, in two years, in two years, he had to bench him. Then, in addition to that, now I'm just saying this is what negative recruiting is, right? This yeah, is what I sure. say if I'm Jimbo. And two, I hate AM. I think. They have an oversized, inflated view of themselves like no other program in the country. It's it's insane. And you, yeah. Texas fan of all, most of all agrees with that take. Oh, yeah. But you get a Malachi Nelson and whatever he was experiencing at USC in terms of uh, – you talk about culture – in terms of culture but fan engagement, facility engagement, yeah, school engagement – and you take him to AM and he goes to one freaking bonfire and one freaking game there. And it is a shock to the system compared to what he's going to experience at USC this year. Correct. It's no comparison at all. I mean, you, you can't tell. Dude, US, if he goes to a USC Stanford game and it's going to be terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. He goes to an AM Florida game or whoever they have on their schedule. It doesn't even matter who they have, dude. They go crazy for it. Yeah. I'm just saying. I would love Lincoln Riley to lose his quarterback. Not, I don't know that I necessarily want a to pick up like another A&M. freaking dude, but uh, they've got dudes. I'm telling you, man. They're, they're. <laughs> I don't know what it's gonna, how it's gonna work out for them because they still have to play Alabama every year. But I'm just saying, they're loading up. It would make me giggle. Yeah, it would make me giggle. All right, <laughs> hey, um, Kevin, this was awesome. Uh, our net, okay, for those out there listening, want to know what's coming next from Boomer Bebo. Kevin and I will be doing uh, two more uh, podcasts in the month of August that are one is a season preview for Texas and one will be a season preview for Oklahoma. We're going to go through the schedule. We're going to go through projected lineups. We're going to go through predictions, the whole, the whole thing. Right. And it'll be dedicated to, yeah, dedicated to each team. And then Kevin, we're going to be at game week. Every week. We're gonna, previews so we will do our we'll, pre, we'll preview the game we'll be on game week and then following that every Sunday we will be dropping an episode recapping and looking ahead recapping and looking ahead and I cannot wait and so I hope for all those that are listening out there subscribe 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 share yes. it wherever you get it YouTube Spotify iTunes yes and please give us a review five star review if you would please we appreciate the love and shoot us some comments. Uh, let us know how we're doing, what you want to hear more of. Uh, we're, we're excited for football season to get here. Everything that we've done and content-wise has been to lay the groundwork of kind of where Kevin comes at football and where I come at football. And so this has all been done. These eight, we're going to have 10 episodes that have built up to this football season. Go back, listen. You don't have to listen to all of it, but listen to some of it. Find out where we're coming from. Know what you're kind of getting into. And hopefully you like the product, and hopefully we hear from you. Kevin, are you ready for episode n- – n- it'll be 10? Not yeah. Yet. It'll be 10. Yeah. Episode 10 next week. Yeah. Hey, I'm ready. Boomer. Welcome. Okay.